You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou, and I'm delighted to be joined by a very special guest on this edition. He's the head of English content at 90 Min. He's a Man United fan as well. We will let him off (laughs) this week anyway. Uh, Scott Saunders, welcome to the show, mate. How are you doing? Um, Not too bad. That's a a lovely introduction. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Watch a lot of your your videos and this always brilliant insight on Arsenal. So happy to be here. Thank you very much. And uh, delighted to have you because, of course, this weekend, our two teams lock horns. It's Arsenal versus Manchester United. I still feel that this is right up there in terms of rivalries. For me, this still feels like the game every season. This one and the North London derby. But what I will say is the North London derby's kind of crept up there for me over the years because initially it was nowhere near as big, nowhere near as significant as this. For you, has that rivalry become a little bit, I guess, less fierce? Has it lost some of its spice or, or is it still for you as a Man United fan, one of the games you look at? It's always a game I look at, but I think I, I don't want to go and uh, say something too bad about Arsenal, but it's, it, it has crept down a little bit because just because of the the fact that Arsenal haven't really been competing for league titles for years. We, we're, we're around the same age. We grew grew up in the era of Ferguson, Wenger and all of this stuff. As a, as a, as a kid, that was... I, when I was growing up, I mean, like, obviously I knew the Liverpool rivalry was there, but as I was, you know, going into my teens and that kind of stuff, the Arsenal, Arsenal game was always the big game. That'll never leave, you know, that'll never leave me. But I... When I think about like the biggest clubs in England, I think about United, United and Liverpool, but Arsenal right there for me as well. I, you know, so this one's always important, and United need to start winning these games because they haven't beaten Arsenal for ages. So, big one. Yeah, and of course, earlier on in the season, Arsenal uh, got their first victory at Old Trafford in in God knows how long. So, obviously, delighted with that. Uh, both sides. You know, although Manchester United lost midweek, both sides actually go into this game in quite good shape overall. Um, what have you made of, of Man United so far this season? Are they genuine title contenders in your eyes? Has Wednesday's result maybe affected that a little bit? It's, it's difficult because when you say genuine, I mean, in the context of the season, they're there. They are there. But are they still on, are they on Man, Man City and Liverpool's level? like in terms of consistency over the last few years? No, they're not. Um, And I think this season for me is about learning about how far United have progressed. And I am seeing growth in the team, which is is a big positive. And I think it'll be a big test this weekend at the Emirates because of the defeat in midweek as well. Like I'm seeing, I think Bruno Fernandes made such a difference. It's around a year ago that he joined um, from Sporting. And in terms of, his, I think his personality is the thing that I look at most. You can look at his goals, you can look at his assists and penalties, because um, I know he gets a lot of stick for the penalties. But I think his personality and his desire to win has rubbed off on other players, and his leadership is something that United have lacked for ages. They just need more of him, and I think they're on the right path. But we, they, 
um, Solskjaer and uh, Bruno have talked a lot about how they react to their next defeat. And I think this is a perfect time to test that just to see how much, how far they've come from last season. For sure. I mean, with the whole Ollie thing, and it, it is a big debate, isn't it? It comes up, it disappears for a while, and then it resurfaces again. And it's always either Ollie's at the wheel or Ollie's a, a PE teacher. There's no real in between. Where are you on the whole Oli Gunnar Solskjaer tenure so far? I think it's actually been a success. Like looking at when I compare him to other managers, I think it's the most successful period United have actually had in terms of being consistent. Yes, in terms of trophies, obviously Mourinho won the trophies and Van Gaal won the FA Cup. Um, but in terms of progressing and getting United back to how they used to be and back to the same personality and the same wavelength as like in in line with their tradition in a sense. I think Ollie came in and that was a big thing that he wanted to do. The squad that had been assembled after Ferguson had it was just a mess. It, there was four managers worth of signings and completely different identities all over the place. It was mix and match. And I think you can look at the team's style of play and you can look at how the team performs. And yes, it's been bad at times, but I think Solskjaer's never been um, never shied away from the fact that that those periods were gonna, were going to happen. But in terms of the job that he's done in progressing the team from where they were to where they are now in terms of the, the personality of the squad, I think that's really, really important. And we see a lot of clubs, Arsenal included, who've made a lot of signings on, on big money and then have been really hamstrung with having to pay them massive money and they're not really pulling their weight. That was a problem the United had. And I, my main um, credit to Solskjaer that I'll give is the fact that he's managed to transition away from that. And you're starting to see the final players leave the club now that don't need to be there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I look at Man United and I try to kind of put the kind of rivalry to one side and, and, and look at Man United from a bit more of a neutral position. And, and one of the things that I kind of think Ollie's done really, really well recently is that he's almost accepted, hasn't he, that he can't shoehorn all these quality players into midfield. And he he's very happy to play a Fred and a McTominay or a Fred and a Matic because that gives those players ahead of him, the Pogbas, the Fernandezes, the Rashfords, the license to go on and do essentially what they want in the final third. It's been more than a tactical masterclass. It's been about finding the balance for Oli, hasn't it? And, and, and that balance goes a long way for United. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's, it's taken him a long time to, to actually find that. I still don't think it's the right long-term fit. You know, I, I do think... I think you'll probably end up seeing Fred and McTominay um, on Sunday or Saturday, sorry, um, mainly because of the defeat the other night. Um, I think if United maybe have won the game, then you might have seen Pogba in that in that central role. Um, like he's, I think he's proven that he can play there. But I think if you want something, if you want energy in midfield and pressing and people to close down, which is a big part of what Oli wants to do. I think those players are perfect for it. I do think you can probably do it with one player. And I think they'll try and go and sign a defensive midfielder in the summer. Um, but he's done he's done well with what he's got. Let's let's be real. I think there's still players in that squad who perhaps aren't of the quality to go and win league titles, but I think they're they've made progress. And I'm just looking at it now. You can he's been there two years. You can look at the progress that he's made. The results aren't always there, but the personality is getting it's getting there, it's getting right. 
I'm always very interested to know what opposition fans think of what's going on at Arsenal right now, because Arsenal have had a very up and down season. You know, they they won the FA Cup at the back end of the last campaign. There was a massive buzz. Win your two, your first two Premier League games of the season. Everybody thinks you know we're on the up, and then we have a run of difficult fixtures. We which obviously we lost a few. We won at Old Trafford, but largely the games we lost during that period were games that we probably were expected to lose. And then we went into this dreadful run. But it feels now, uh, having won five of the last six in the Premier League, that Arsenal, I'm not going to say have been revived because I feel like that's probably still a little bit premature. But Arsenal are back on the up. What have you made of Mikel Arteta's tenure, looking at it from the outside in? He's had a similar job to Solskjaer in a sense, I think. Um, But obviously he had that brilliant FA Cup win last season. But I think... There was that period of really challenging results and the performances that weren't coming with it. He's done that. That Chelsea game was so big for Arsenal, I think, and the fact that they managed to take some confidence from that with you know some of the talented youngsters that they've got. I think he's. I think he's actually doing a really good job. Um, Arsenal have that problem of again trying to transition players on huge money out of the club, and that's so difficult. Like because you, you have players like that who are really set in their ways, then they're, they're getting their paycheck. What do they what else do they need to do? You've lost um you've lost money on transfers, you know, you've bought players for big money and then ended up losing them for next to nothing. And you know, I, I think he's doing really well in the sense of you can actually see that he's a he's a smart guy as well. Um and I really think you've got a good manager there. And I think the fact that he did win that Chelsea game a few weeks ago was big for him because I think the pressure was starting to really tell. And now he now he's starting to see not the fruits of the labor in the sense, because I do think Arsenal still got a long way to go, but you can see progress and it will take time. It's oh, it's going to take time because Arsenal aren't really awash with money being out of the Champions League for the last few years. But I think he's proven that you can trust him and he does deserve the chance to go and progress Arsenal as far as he can. Yeah, I agree. And you're absolutely right. That Chelsea game was was huge. That game on Boxing Day was was massive because the noises were, were, were starting to be heard. You know, Mikel Arteta out. And, and I guess I, I don't really blame the Arsenal fans that were feeling that way at that time, because ultimately what Arsenal have done is they've gone from Arsene Wenger to Unai Emery, who the fact that they offered him a two year deal in the first place probably suggested that he was not the number one target. He came in, did okay in his first season, narrowly missed out on Champions League qualification, um, got spanked in the Europa League final, which was inexcusable and I think was the last straw for many Arsenal fans. Then he was sacked. Arteta came in. There wasn't really that new manager bounce that you, you sometimes see. Yes, we won the FA Cup, couple of really good one-off performances. And then this season that promised so much felt like it was getting away from Mikel Arteta and the inexperienced thing was thrown at him time and time again. And, you know, we, we know that there was leaks at the club. We, we probably know who it was now as well. Um, but you know, those kind of unhelpful stories were coming out and it just felt like we were heading for another car crash. So I understand why, why some Arsenal fans were, you know, I, I don't ever agree with the abuse. I don't ever agree with the, the overreaction without looking at the bigger picture, but, I can understand why some people have been concerned that a lack of experience uh, was kind of an issue for Mikel. And looking at Oli, I know he'd managed previously, but he'd never managed a club anywhere near the size of Manchester United. Is that something that you look at sometimes when it comes to Oli and think 
maybe if he had a bit more experience, he'd have done this differently or he'd have done that differently. And sometimes that can be the difference. I think with a, a manager who kind of had experience at the top level and developed a philosophy, I, I, that's unfair on Ollie. I think he does have a, a philosophy in, in a sense, but you, you don't always see it. It's not like your peps or your clops where it's one way all the time. You know, I think Ollie's quite good at thinking on his feet and reacting within games. I think he's good at that. Um, but I, I think I, I've never been shy on saying my opinion on, on Ollie. I think people ask me if I'm Ollie out or, or whatever. I, I, I've always said that I think that there is another person, a, a top coach out there who can go and, you know, maybe do the clear out that Ollie, Ollie's tasked with and bring the football to come with it. We've not always seen the football, and I think we might have seen it a little bit quicker under a coach who'd had a bit more top-level experience. Um, but, you know, it's... I, I can't I can't look at him now and, and then think um, that he's been... He's failing because nobody would have ever expected United to be, you know, even in touch with the top, let alone um, top for a little while in this league season. So... I really think that he he'll see out this year. I think, and he probably end up seeing seeing out his entire contract. But I do think he's a transitional manager in a sense. I don't really think we'll see him much longer than his three years yeah. that he's got, um, because I think they I think he'll do the job of getting the team into a position where they can challenge for titles, and maybe they'll kick on with somebody else. That's how I see it. But I, I've criticised him at times, but I think now you just got to take it and just look at it as a as a whole and think. He's done a good job yeah, I think. Yeah. No, no, I agree with you. And I'm one of the people that's been guilty of, of really going in on Ollie um, previously. And and I sometimes, like, like you say, the reason I feel he's probably just a transitional manager is because there are certain things I see in him that, you know, it, it just don't sit right with me. I don't, I don't see that fire from him sometimes. I think the first time I really saw it was when he started moaning about the fixture congestion and I'm sitting there I like and that. I did like Yeah, that. and I you know, I can't stand Man United and I'm sitting there going, "Go on, Ollie, go on, Ollie, give it to them." But I think that was the first kind of sign of the fact that he actually does have a little bit of fire inside him and a little bit uh, there is a little bit of that. And and I know that, you know, you don't get to the level he did as a player. I know he wasn't always a starter at United, but you don't play at the very top level without that. And so Maybe it was a bit naive to to think that he didn't have it in him whatsoever, but there just weren't enough signs of it for me. Um, I think it, I think that is a sorry, sorry to cut you off. I, th I think no. that might be a little bit unfair because I think he he's always made a made it clear in a sense that yeah, I think he does have that side to him. You can see it like see his little spikiness in press conferences now and again, and you had seen it before before he came out and said that about the fixtures. But I think he keeps it behind closed doors and he'll give it to players when they need it. I think it, he just likes to have this calm persona on the outside. Yeah, yeah, and that might well be the case. Um, let's turn our our focus to the game on Saturday. Of course, it's the 5.30pm uh, evening kickoff. If you're out in the United States and you fancy tuning in to VSIN, I'll be bringing you live commentary. And I, I've got to say, I hate commentating on Arsenal games. Um, it's the worst thing. You can see the difference in my voice when Arsenal score or the opposition score. And I've told the producer, I, I can't do anything about it. I'm sorry. You can put someone else on if you like, but it's just the reality of it. Um, looking ahead to the game, Arsenal were uh, riddled with injury problems. You know, we, we've got 
a number of players who it's touch and go whether they're going to play. And I just want to share on the screen for those of you watching on YouTube, uh, the lineup that I picked yesterday in our uh, in one of our preview shows leading into this game. And you can see there's a couple of slashes in there. Um, so I went with Bern Leno in goal. I went with a back four uh, that included David Lewis holding... I went with Tierney at left back if he's fit, but if not, then Cedric has to play there. And if Tierney is fit, I want to see Cedric at right back because I think he's been really good lately. And I want to see him play ahead of Hector Bellerin. In the midfield, the midfield pivot picks itself for me. Xhaka and Partey, I think that's the most balanced midfield you're going to get at Arsenal right now. And I think some of their recent uh, displays together have proven that. Again, in the number 10 position, if Emil Smith-Rowe is fit, he plays. But of course, uh, Martin Odegaard has joined the club and, and he is another uh, possible option. I've gone with Pepe on the left because I thought he was really, really good at Southampton. I actually think the role on the left suits him a lot more. I've gone with Saka on the right because you just simply can't drop him right now. And Alexander Lacazette it up front. There are question marks, as I said, about Kieran Tierney's fitness, about Emil Smith-Rowe's fitness. We don't know for sure um, if Thomas Partey is going to be available, but the noises we're getting from the club today suggest that he probably will be. Um, what do you look at there, Scott, and think that's where we need to watch out? W what Arsenal players have, have caught your eye of late and, 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 and are you kind of looking at and thinking, if we stop them, we stop Arsenal? I'm not going to... I don't really want to go too tactical here. I'm just going to... I'm looking at Martin Odegaard's name and I know he hasn't, um, he hasn't played too much at Real Madrid, but I'm just thinking it's written in the stars for him to do something if he starts this game or if he comes on. Um, I, I mean... He's such a talented player. I'm, I'm really, I looked at Arsenal getting him, whether it's on, on loan or not. Um, I, I know it is a loan to, for the rest of the season, but he's such a talented player from what I've seen of him. I think he's a potential difference maker for you. He's of the right profile. Um, but I think looking at Bukayo Saka, he's just got everything, hasn't he? I think he's the, he's the one I'd really be worried about, but I'm looking at if he does play on the right, it'd be a really interesting battle with someone like Luke Shaw, because I think, Luke Shaw has been, he gets a lot of stick, but I think he's been so good this season in terms of uh, his maturity, his energy. I've, I've not really seen him run quite as much as, as he has been doing lately. It'd be a really interesting battle if Saka starts there. But there's there's a lot of quality in different areas, but I think there's, there's still, I'm looking at that team and I'm still thinking there's a lot of work to do if Arsenal want to get back to where they, you know, back to where they were and back to top four. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you. And there's people in the comments, um, as is always the case when I put my teams out, there's people questioning why David Lewis is in there. Well, Gabriel played last weekend against Southampton in the FA Cup and looked as though he hadn't played football in about six months. I know COVID uh, got him and he was out for a few weeks and he missed training. He just didn't look up to it in terms of his match fitness and match sharpness. And this is not a game uh, that you want to muck around with. Uh, I know David Lewis wasn't great on Tuesday, but overall this season, I actually think he's been quite good. Um, so that's that's what I would go with. In terms of Man United, um, you know, obviously the, the, the key players are the likes of Bruno Fernandes. He's been so important. A player I'm always shit scared of when I see him play against us is Edinson Cavani. And I, I can't even explain why. I just think he's such a clever runner. He's so physical. He's a, a lethal finisher when he gets in the right positions. How impressed have you been by Edinson Cavani since he's come in? He feels like the perfect sub for Man United. He's the perfect sub. I think he'll end up starting this weekend. Um, it'll be a really interesting battle, him and David Luiz. Um, I think they, you know, obviously know each other quite well. Um, you can just see how much of an impact he's made on the club just 
by seeing how the players talk about him or how Solskjaer talks about him. He was asked in a press, Solskjaer was asked in a press conference the other day about what he could bring. And Solskjaer was like, how much time have you got? Because he's such a good example to all of the young players that United do have. And their average age of squad that they picked this season is quite young alongside Arsenal, I think. Um, he just, he hasn't perhaps scored as many goals as you'd want, but he's not always had that... Um, He's not been fit for the entire season because he's been out of out of the game for a little while. Um, but he's, I think, his main role there. He'll maybe stay the two years, and he'll look to have the good habits that he's got rub off on a lot of the other younger players. Um, just the fact that he runs all day and he, he will not give the two centre backs a moment's peace. Um, and he can hold the ball. He can bring players into the game. He's good in the air. Um, he's decisive. Um, I'm. I think he's pretty much now nailed down that that starting slot and he might be more effective off the bench but I think you've got to play him in this one from the start interestingly it's, it's being pointed out in the comments that that David Lewis will know Edinson Cavani actually really well um, of course because of their time at PSG and you know what I didn't even think of that when I made this selection I made this selection purely based on on Gabriel not being fit because I want to make it clear to to those watching and listening that it's not in any way a reflection of Gabriel's performances this season because I think he's been brilliant. I've really enjoyed watching him. And I think he, along with Thomas Partey and, and having signed Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang down on that long-term contract, are very much the, the core of Arsenal for the next few years. But it's just that, you know, we're in a really weird place at the moment with the games coming thick and vast, people being ruled out because of COVID and then coming back and maybe not being 100% physically you know, I've had COVID and I still don't feel 100%. So I can only imagine that when you're trying to be an athlete at the top level, I mean, my athleticism goes from <laughs> my man cave to my house and back and that's it. Uh, so I can imagine sort of how difficult it must be for those guys. Um, I'm going to press you on a little bit of a prediction here. I know it's all the time people don't want to give predictions and I could, if I had a pound for every time I've invited someone on and they went, well, I'm not going to give you a prediction because uh, it's tough. So I'm going to press you here, Scott. I want a prediction for the game. Do you know what? Like, I, I, kind, I kind of tend to cover myself by saying predictions in different places and having different results. <laughs> I, I can go back to him like, yeah, I, I said it here. So, you know, um, I've, I'm, not, I'm not feeling too, I haven't been feeling too great about this game for a little while because I look at United's record against the traditional big six this season. I don't think they've beaten any of them so far. I know they beat Liverpool in the Cup last week, but it's a big test for them. Uh, and I think I think I do have enough faith in this team now to think that I can... I'm going to back them to win. I, I put, put it on 90 min just now. I think maybe they'll snatch a 2-1, but I think it's going to be a really difficult game. Um, I just think that they've got to show a reaction and I'm faithful enough now to think that they've progressed from the team that they were of going on slumps and bad runs to reacting when something goes wrong. Um, I think if they'd have beaten Sheffield United the other night, I'd have been very, very worried about this game. But I've got a little bit more confidence now that they won't let that happen twice. So that's not to write off Arsenal or anything like that. I think it can absolutely go either way. But I'm just, the United fan in me is going to put some faith behind United and say 2-1, I think. Good stuff. Uh, guys, get your predictions in the live chat as well. We'll come to some of those in a minute. Uh, just got a question from one of our members, Scott, um, which I want to fire over yeah. to you from AJ Morgan. He's a Welsh gooner. He says, can I ask Scott what his thoughts are on Dan James's role at United? Does he have a future with you? I really like Dan James. I really do. And I think that um, for 15 million or whatever the money was when he came in from Swansea, I think it was a, it was worth it. 
it was worth the worth the risk because he got the raw materials to go and you know affect games. He scored in his debut against Chelsea and had that great run at the start. Um, but I think it's maybe become more obvious over the course of the eighteen months or so that he's had at United that perhaps he's not he's not the right fit for it. I think United are now looking to get on top of teams a lot more and have a lot more of the ball. And you see that teams will kind of sit back against United and they'll try and pick their way through. I don't think that Dan James is that type of player. I love him for Wales, um, but I think maybe in the next 12 months or so that I think I can see him maybe leaving United, I think. That's not to say that he's um, not a bad like that he's a bad player. I think he's got a lot of qualities, but and I think he's really good in certain games um, when United are going to suck it up and play on the break. Um, but I think the way that United are looking to go, I would wouldn't surprise me if they ended up selling him. Yeah, I, I kind of get that impression too. Um, maybe it's just not quite the right fit. Uh, thank you for your question, though, mate. Really appreciate it. Let's go over to the live chat and get some of your. Uh, predictions. Actually, before I do that, if you haven't already, make sure you smash the like button. There's over 250 of you watching us right now across the multiple platforms, and there'll be plenty watching this later. Listen to this back, listening to this back later on as well. So make sure you hit the like button, subscribe to the channel if you're new. Make sure you leave us a review if you're listening via any of the podcast platforms. And if you're interested in becoming a member of our channel, like all those people are in the chat box with the fancy little icon next to their name, uh, then click on the link in the description for more information. If you want to get a bit of a glimpse as to what our members only content looks like, then check out our Martin Odegaard special which we did uh, the other day with uh, Norwegian uh, football journalist and Spanish football expert Jonas Yeva. Check that out. That's the kind of content you'll be getting. Uh, we've released it this time to everyone so you can get a bit of an idea of what we're going to be doing. Uh, but in future, those will be for members only. So please check it out and see what you think. Um, right. Some of the predictions we've got here. 2-1 uh, to Arsenal. We've got Michael Grayson. He says 1-1. One, one. Uh, uh, this name cracks me up every time I see it. Dilly dilly. 2-0 Arsenal. <laughs> Uh, Tova says Arsenal 2, United 1, but full control by Arsenal, 60% possession. I've never had a prediction where someone's predicted the possession as well. So that's a new one. Uh, love that. Uh, John P is very, very confident uh, and he's gone with 6-0. I hope that's you're a right. Bold, that's a bold <laughs> shout. That's that a one. bold shout. <laughs> uh, Mikey's gone with... Uh, he doesn't agree with Scott and he says we're doing the double 2-1 uh, to the Arsenal. Rydog says 3-1 to the Arsenal. Steve says 2-1 Arsenal. Ekene says 3-0 Arsenal. We've got 2-1. We've got 3-1 United from Ankit Chowdhury. Uh, we've got 4-0 from Xander. We've got 2-1 from Rena Black. 2-1 uh, to the Arsenal from Nasco. We've got so many predictions coming in. Most of them are for Arsenal wins. And I, I'd expect nothing less from a bunch of Arsenal supporters. Uh, but I, my prediction, as I said to you guys yesterday, is a 1-1 draw. I feel like the way this game is going to play out is, you know, we've kind of seen this, this new pragmatism come to Arsenal since Mikel Arteta came in certain games. And I feel he'll be maybe a little bit over-conscious of, of Manchester United's counter-attacking threat. And I think he will sit off Man United. I genuinely think that's what he's going to do. I think he'll sit off. I think he'll try and make it difficult for United to break us down. Having got the three points at Southampton the other night, if he gets a point today, I think uh, tomorrow, sorry, I think that'd be a very good result. And I think that's what he's going to look to do. I think he's going to try and close it up, try and shut up shop and look to hit Man United on the break. And 
That's why I've gone with a, a low scoring draw. I've gone with 1-1. And I'm not going to change from that. I'm sticking with that. I'm already getting stick in the comments. Uh, stop sitting on the fence. I, I say this time and time again. If you want my prediction, I'll give you my prediction. If you want me to tell you what I want to happen, that's a completely different thing. Uh, so we'll have to leave that for another day. Um, Scott, thank you so much, mate. Really, really appreciate you taking the time out of your uh, busy day to come on and, and talk to us. Um, how can people follow you on uh, social media? And you're particularly entertaining on Twitter when Liverpool... Uh, don't perform so uh, people check it's, him out it's good fun um, it's, it's all in jest it's all good fun um, at underscore Scott Saunders on Twitter um, you know watch a lot of football so I'll, I'll talk about a lot of football on Twitter so it's, it's all it's all fun it's all a laugh yeah for sure and uh, check out 90min.com as well uh, some quality written content going up there every day which Scott oversees is a fantastic site um, so check it out and uh, there's some Arsenal bits on there today uh, looking ahead to the game as well so make sure you head over there and check those out Scott thank you so much mate thank you so much mate it's been a pleasure cheers cheers pal that was the brilliant Scott Saunders joining us from 90min uh, to give us his thoughts on the game coming up this weekend between Arsenal and uh, Manchester United at the Emirates Stadium. Very much looking forward to that one. And as it approaches, I'm looking forward to it more. I've got to be honest. Um, let's see what you guys are saying in the chat. Look, lots of thanks to Scott. Um, I probably should have brought these on the screen when he was here so he could actually appreciate them. Uh, so I will pass them on to him. Uh, you know what? Let me take a picture of it and I can send it to him on WhatsApp because it's, it's only fair that he gets to see uh, all the lovely uh, the lovely wishes and lovely comments from our uh, Chronicles of Aguna community. Um, there you go. I'll send it over. There we go. Uh, right. Let's uh, Let's get back to... All Arsenal matters. Actually, do you know what? Let me send it to him. You don't mind, do you, if I pause uh, for a brief second? Uh, nice comments. Should have shown you when on. <laughs> Lovely. That's been sent to Scott. So I've passed on your thanks. I've passed on uh, all your uh, all your nice words. Uh, right. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Now, there's been uh, reports doing the rounds today that Southampton and West Bromwich Albion are battling it out for Ainsley Maitland-Niles is uh, services on loan for the remainder of the season. Now, Ainsley Maitland-Niles is a funny one. And, you know, he started the season very much part of Mikel Arteta's plans. He started the season very much as, as somebody that Mikel Arteta wanted to hold on to. We heard constantly, didn't we, about how... Um, you know, how his versatility was key and how he was part of the future at Arsenal. And we know that Arsenal rejected a, a bid from Wolverhampton Wanderers of around about £15 million for Ainsley Maitland-Niles. However, um, since then, he's featured very, very little. He's been very limited um, in terms of his Premier League appearances. You know, sometimes he's even been overlooked in the cup competitions. And you're sitting there scratching your head and thinking, well, why did we keep the guy at a time when Arsenal are desperate, absolutely desperate, um, you know, for finances? Why would we hold on to him? It, it, it just it, it hasn't made sense for me. And I think the club have done a bit of a U-turn now and, and actually realised and worked out. And maybe the players pushed for this as well, that actually he needs to be playing football. You know, it's frustrating from a, a fan's perspective. It's frustrating from the club's perspective because we should have kept hold of him. You know, but 
Uh, sorry, we should have let him go. I'm not should have kept hold of him. We should have let him go. But why do it now? You know, that, that suggests the, the fact that we've kind of done a U-turn on this suggests to me that this is the player pushing for it. You know, the European Championships are coming in the summer. It's just burst onto the England scene. Has Ainsley made the Niles and perhaps he feels now as though, you know, he, he stands very little chance of going to the Euros if he's not playing any more football and he's, he's not, you know, getting more game time. In terms of the two clubs that are interested, I mean, for me, if you're choosing between playing for Ralph Hasenhutl or Sam Allardyce, it's an absolute no-brainer. Ralph Hasenhutl all day. Southampton are competing at the top end of the Premier League table. They're still in the FA Cup. They just knocked us out. Um, I think they play a really exciting brand of football. And I think that they play with an aggression and an intensity uh, that would really take Maitland-Niles' game up a level if he could add that to his own kind of locker. With West Bromwich Albion, what's he going to be doing? You know, so often Sam Allardyce's teams... um, you know, play very direct football. They they give up possession. And people will talk about Maitland-Niles perhaps choosing West Brom because he feels he'll have more chances to play in his preferred position, which is in the midfield. But West Brom bypassed the midfield. You know, Sam Allardyce teams, they go long uh, a lot of the time. I, I, just, I just don't see that as a good fit. I think he'd actually be better off playing a bit less football, but going to Southampton where, you know, they've got a good setup. Something's happening there. You know, they're, they're progressing. They play good football. They want to be on the front foot all the time. I would prefer that Ainsley Maitland-Niles went there. But of course, the terms have to be right with regards uh, to the clubs and, and, and what they're kind of offering. Also, Maitland-Niles will, will want to get guarantees from whichever manager it is he chooses to join, um, whether that be Sam Allardyce or, or whether that be Ralph Hasenhutl. He will have conversations with those guys and, and he will probably have a massive influence on the decision and where he ends up. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting one. But I do think Ainsley Maitland-Niles needs the move. And I think if you're not even going to use him as a left-back cover now, if you're not even going to consider him in the circumstances that we've been in over the last couple of weeks, where Kieran Tierney's not been 100% fit, then when is he ever going to get a chance? Um, I've always said it. I don't think he's good enough to play in the midfield. I'm very, um, you know, I, I remain very unconvinced uh, about his ability to play pretty much anywhere else on the pitch other than right back right now. And and with Cedric in the side and with Bella in there as well, it just it, it just doesn't work for me. Um, let's see what, what you guys are saying as well. Uh, Michael says, I think I like Ainsley Maitland-Niles, but I think it's time for him to get some game time. He needs it to fully develop. Billy Anderson says, West Brom is an absolute no for me. Could damage him in my opinion, but I think Southampton would be a good loan. Uh, AJ Morgan says, Ainsley Maitland-Niles to Southampton would be the best fit for us in my opinion. He'll come back a proper presser. Chris uh, says it'll be a good move for him. Get some more playing time on him and then see what to do with him in the summer. Um, Wesbird says the frustration RE Ainsley Maitland-Niles is that we could have got 15 million for him this summer, but now we're going to let him go on loan. Yeah, agreed. And that 15 million you feel in this current climate and in the way the transfer market is now, you know, you you probably could have done something with that that maybe impress, maybe enhances us as a team. Um, you know, maybe helps us plug a, a hole that maybe, uh, you know, isn't isn't something we've already addressed. I don't know. I just I just don't see it. Um, Rydog says Niles isn't good enough. Where does he even get in at Southampton? Right back. He won't like that. 
Um, Manas suggests that Ainsley, Maitland, Niles and Bertrand should swap for the year is best. Yeah, I wouldn't be against that, but I can't see Southampton agreeing uh, to that, uh, if I'm honest. Um, Inter Yanan says, that's why I would sack Arteta now, because he doesn't know what he's doing. He wanted to keep Mustafi, let our best keeper go and rejected a bid from Wolves to then put him out on loan to Southampton. Ah, that's harsh. That's harsh. Um, Mikel Arteta will make mistakes. Um, you know, and, and Ainsley Maitland-Niles, for all we know, could could not be pulling his weight on the training ground, could not be showing Mikel Arteta that he really wants a place in this side. Maybe he's not proved himself yet. You know, maybe his attitude is is being questioned by those at the club. It wouldn't be the first time, would it, that we've heard reports of Ainsley Maitland-Niles maybe not quite, um, not quite being up to it in terms of his attitude. And, and I always compare him to Bukayo Saka, you know, both of them young footballers who got into the side initially playing in positions that weren't their natural positions, who both got into the side and, and got valuable experience, but had to quickly adapt to playing in another area. The difference is that Bukayo Saka's learned from that. He's taken that on and, and, and he's allowed that to kind of shape him and, and develop him. You could argue that Saka's got more talent and that's why he is where he is now. And, I, and I'd probably agree with that, but you know, it's, it's two young players, as I say, who were given an opportunity, albeit not in their preferred role. One has literally thrived off it and taken it, whereas the other one spent half the time complaining about the fact that he's not playing in his preferred role. And I think that just highlights the difference in attitude between the two. And I wouldn't be surprised. And again, it's just me speculating. I can't be sure of this, but I wouldn't be surprised if over the course of the season, Mikel has picked up on that attitude from Ainsley Metanaz and maybe doesn't like it, maybe doesn't feel like it's a good fit. And and that's why he's made a bit of a U-turn in terms of whether he, he whether he sees this player as as uh, someone for the future. Um, what else have we got? Um, Creambone says Ainsley Metanaz, West Bromwich Abbey and hell no, wrong move. Ainsley Metanaz to Southampton with a thumbs up. Um Tofa says Ainsley Metanaz has matured quickly over the past few years. It's just a shame his game is not. He needs regular game time and will need to push for one position to progress. Utility players are usually older. Yeah, I think we said it. I think I said it um, in an article I wrote yesterday about Bukayo Saka, where I said Bukayo Saka has used the experience of playing in a wrong position Um to kind of help him and to kind of shape him and to, to see him progress. Ainsley Maitland-Niles, I don't think has necessarily done that. Um, and I think the fact that, look, when you're, when you're a player who can fill in in multiple positions, actually, sometimes that can go against you. I think in the case of Bukayo Saka, he's been managed very, very well. And there was always the view that he was going to move further forward when, when possible. I think actually as well, Mikel Arteta was probably forced into moving Saka a little bit further forward because his wingers weren't doing it. His wingers weren't producing. I, I As much as I am behind Mikel Arteta, I do feel like some of the kind of success we're seeing right now in terms of the balance that the team appears to have in comparison to what we were watching a few months ago is probably uh, a lot of it is, is because he stumbled into it. And I feel like, for example, uh, the switch of Saka from the left to the right, I think is something he maybe stumbled onto. Um, because he wanted to get Aubameyang in the team. He wanted to get Lacazette in the team. And Aubameyang, he feels is more effective from the left, coming in on his right foot. And then having put 
Saka on the right, he's he's, he's just flourished. And I, I do feel as though, um, you know, maybe that's part of it, and, and maybe you know the the manage the management of Ainsley Maitland-Niles hasn't been as as quite as effective, quite as um, thorough as that of Ainsley Maitland-Niles. But naturally, as a manager, I think you gravitate to certain players, and I think. The hardest part of the job is to give the, the same care, love and attention to every single one of your 25, 26 squad members. And I think that Saka's benefited from having Mikel Arteta's full trust um, and having Mikel Arteta's full attention. Maybe Maitland-Niles has gone uh, a little bit by the wayside as well um, in kind of Mikel Arteta's thinking. So it could be that as well. You know, I'm not putting it solely down to the player, but for me, he's just he's just not quite not quite good enough to play midfield. Okay at right back. Definitely not good enough to play left back. Left wing back is a different kettle of fish. I think he's done okay there. Um, but Alex makes a good point in the chat where he says a versatile player should always be an option in any squad. Yeah. But if the, that versatile player is knocking on your door saying, I want to play more football, I need to play more football. And you are looking at the longer term. You know, I don't think you can really hold him there just because he's a, a utility man. I, I would feel sorry for him. I don't think that would be right for him. I think a low move is the right thing for him. I just don't know if West Brom is the right destination. I would be more inclined um, to allow him to, to join Southampton. But of course, there are so many factors in this. You know, what will he be guaranteed in terms of playing time? What will his role be in the squad? What's the kind of the deal... Um, you know, what's the deal between the two clubs? I think a lot of that uh, will be taken into consideration. And I can't get the thought of Serge Gnabry out of my head when I think of loans to West Brom, an Arsenal player who actually showed talent at Arsenal. You know, a lot of people said, oh, he never showed anything. No, that's nonsense. He did show. Um, but that loan to West Brom just completely killed him. Um, he, he was picked up, obviously, went back to Germany, uh, got back kind of, uh, you know, on the on the right path again and, and has gone on to become one of the best in the world. So um delighted for him. But I always think of West Brom as a bad place for Aloni to go. It was Pulis then and it's Allardyce now. Is there that much of a difference? I would argue probably not. Uh, Lalietta says, Harry, it's a matter of perspective, forced to play Saka on the wing or getting an opportunity to play Saka on the wing. Yeah, you can look at it both ways, of course. It's like looking at a glass half empty or a glass half full. Yeah, I get that. Um, I get that. Uh, I feel like there's been a bit of an overreaction as well to Ainsley Maitland-Niles' um, performance against Crystal Palace when he played left back. It wasn't good enough. Um, I think we all know that, but we also all know deep down that he's capable of more and he's capable of better. And we saw uh, that more and that better at various points throughout last season. We saw him do a really good job at left wing back in the FA Cup run. So, yeah, I, I think there's been a bit of an overreaction uh, to that. But, um, you know, we're going to have to. We're going to have to kind of park that for a minute and not let that bog us down too much because if we do we're painting Ainsley Maitland-Niles in a in a very negative picture and I know that you know there will be uh, sort of arguments debates about um whether or not you know there'll be arguments and debates about whether he's not whether he's good enough or not and, and those are fair um but I think 
don't judge it solely on that game is is the point I'm trying to get to. It's taking me a while to get there. I apologize, but that's where I wanted to go. Um, Harry Land says uh, we ke- I think we kept him for the right reasons. He started the season well, but once we moved to a back four, he couldn't get the minutes. A bit selfish not to let him move in the summer, but it is what it is. Yeah, and and, and that's the thing. Like we moved to a back four, but Mikel Arteta can't stick to a system because he thinks it will benefit Ainsley Maitland-Niles. If he believes that moving to that back four was the right thing for the team, then Ainsley Maitland-Niles is just collateral damage in that, isn't he? And that's the reality of it. Um, so, yeah, I think that's just where we are at the moment. I think that's just the the whole uh, reality of the situation. And, you know, moving on is probably uh, the right the right thing uh, for Ainsley Maitland-Niles, albeit, albeit on loan. Um, Joe Willock is another player that is said to be uh, available uh, to join another club on loan. That's been reported by Chris Wheatley. Uh, so we, you know, face the possibility of losing both of those players uh, to loan deals between now uh, and the end of the transfer window. So we'll have to uh, wait and see how that that one pans out. But again, for me, a player who puts in lots of effort, but maybe just isn't quite up to the Arsenal level. That's how I see Joe Willock. Um you know, he's kind of, from being given opportunities, almost had that kind of pulled and taken away from him in recent weeks. Um, you know, I, I don't think that, that Joe Willock is going to make it at Arsenal in the longer term either. And for the player's development, you know, it's best to let him go out on loan, let him go, have a look at him, reassess maybe, and decide uh, whether or not, uh, you know, he is someone that could potentially offer us something in the future. So again, you know, I, I wouldn't be against Joe Willock going out on loan either. So I think the fact that, that Maitland-Niles and, and Joe Willock are attracting interest at this point um, in the window, you know, it's a bit frustrating that it's come so late, but I think if we can get them out there uh, to play football, uh, then I think that we um, we should uh, we should let that happen. And fingers crossed, if we don't see the benefit from that in the longer term at Arsenal, then those players get to go on and continue their development and hopefully have good Premier League careers. A uh, big thank you to Scott. He's in the chat now. He says, thanks for having me on, Harry. Good chatting. The pleasure was all my mate. Thank you so much. And uh, lots of people appreciating your contribution in the comments as well. So thank you so much. Make sure you catch Scott on Twitter. I'll drop his uh, his handle in the description uh, after the stream ends. So check it out. Head over to nightymin.com as well. Uh, brilliant stuff. Uh, Bargav, uh, thank you for your very kind super chat donation. Says, when Tierney is out, why don't we use Saka as a left back? This one, uh, whenever I get this question, my response is is kind of like to get defensive. And I don't mean it to be like defensive in an aggressive kind of way. But one of the key reasons Arsenal have become so much more efficient, I think, in the final third recently is because Bukayo Saka is playing so well on the right wing. And why would you handicap yourself there for him to play at left back? We know that Saka's capable of doing that job. We've seen him do it um, on numerous occasions. But I just feel like you're almost getting 75% out of a player who more often than not um, gives you... 90, 95%. So for me, I just think that we're kind of weakening ourselves in attack. And I think you've got to have a more natural replacement than Bukayo Saka because the kid is an attacker. Um, yes, he's he's shown competence when playing in that position. And for that, he deserves immense credit. As I say, I think that's probably a lot of the reason as to why he's in such a good position at the moment, because he took on that experience 
you know, he, he played in a position that he knew wasn't necessarily where he wanted to end up, but, you know, he focused on it. He learned the position pretty well, I'd say. And he's used the experience that he's gained from playing there to become the player he is today. Sometimes as a young footballer, when you get given an opportunity, the circumstances around that opportunity might not be ideal. And they weren't for Bukayo Saka because it wasn't his position, but he took it. He did very well. He earned the manager's trust. And now he's thriving uh, further up the pitch, which is where, in my opinion, um, he belongs. But thank you so much uh, for your donation, mate, and uh, for your uh, your question. Uh, let's pick up a few more of your questions. We're going to do another sort of five to seven minutes. So get your questions in the live chat now and I'll smash through as many of those as I possibly can. I've got one thing as well to uh, to bring you guys up to date on around the, an exciting new partnership uh, with Match Edge. So I'll uh, bring you that information uh, towards the end of the show. So stay with me uh, for that as well. Uh, right, let me pick up some of these questions. Russ says, would you play Pepe on the left wing against United? Absolutely. Um, I explained the reasons in a little bit more detail on yesterday's show. So if you haven't checked that out, uh, feel free to do so. But I think that the, the role suits him better. So yeah, um, I would. And I think with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang unlikely uh, to be involved, I think that's the um, that's the right thing to do. Uh, Will Lee says, on current form, does Saka start ahead of Sancho for England? I've got to be honest, Will. I haven't watched a lot of Jaden Sancho this season to really know at what level he's currently performing. I, I'd certainly kind of based on the kind of snippets I've read um, and the snippets I've seen of, of, of Sancho uh, this season that Saka appears right now to be playing at a higher level. Uh, but of course, Sancho is a, is a fantastic player. He's a really, really top talent. Really enjoyed watching him when I was covering the Bundesliga at the back end of last season after the restart. Uh, so yeah, look, Sancho's a fantastic footballer. I couldn't give you a definitive answer on that because like I said, I've not watched enough of him and I don't want to lie. Uh, but Saka is certainly got to be knocking on Gareth Southgate's door right now for a start because he has been so, so impressive of late. Uh, Feridun asked, Harry, is it true that Liverpool are interested in Mustafi? I've got to be honest, I don't know. It feels like Liverpool are just being linked with every centre-back that comes up. Um, I heard today that they were linked with Issa Diop at West Ham. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know if there's anything genuine in that. Um, we know that Liverpool were offered uh, Socrates, but they weren't particularly interested in that. Um, so I wouldn't imagine they'd be particularly interested in Shkod Mustafi. I accept that he is probably better than Socrates in terms of his overall game, in terms of, um, you know, his ability on the ball, his pace and all that kind of stuff. When you look at, look at it that way and break down the individual attributes. But what I would say is that as a professional, as someone you will rely on, who will come in and not disrupt your dressing room and actually nurture and help some of the young talent, I think Socrates would have been a better option. So I would be surprised if Liverpool moved for Mustafi, but I wouldn't rule it out because they are desperate right now. Absolutely desperate. Um, let's pick up. I'm going to pick up two more questions. I've got this one from, where is it? I just lost it. Um, Matt, who says, do you think Arteta has a clear style of play? Do you see a style of play? He's working towards one. Is United success this season proof you don't really need one? Well, we spoke about it a little bit earlier on with Scott, um, that maybe Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's style and philosophy is not as obvious as some of the others. And I certainly think that's the case. I think with United, 
as we said earlier on, I think the key has been finding the right balance in midfield that allows those attacking players to go on and, and, and cause teams problems and kind of have a little bit of a free reign, knowing that the, the defensive structure is behind him in the event that they lose the ball. So I think Arteta's style of play is probably a bit clearer in terms of visually, in terms of on the eye. Um, and I actually do think that Mikel Arteta is working towards something now. I'm actually excited by what we're seeing right now. I'm excited about the future of some of these players that we have at the club. Um, so, yeah, I do think Mikel Arteta has a style of play. I do think we're working towards embedding that. But it's been difficult up until now. And I think he's had to almost at times, you know, park his principles and and do what he felt would get us the result at that point in time. You know, we've seen us play with back fives, back threes. Um, you know, you've seen number 10s, no number 10s. So I think Mikel's been tinkering with it to try and get the results because ultimately it's a results-based business. But I think now, even if he's maybe stumbled upon certain elements of it, I think that he actually uh, has found something now that I think he should persist with. And I think he probably will. Uh, Scotty says, Harry, would you cash it in Willock and Ainsley Maitland-Niles for £40, £50 million? Absolutely. I don't think, for the record, that we'd get that for the pair, um, especially not in today's market. But, yeah, I, I would absolutely take that. That's an easy one for me. Um, you know, you could go get a top-class, um, you know, striker with that money. You could go get a top-class number 10 next season if we can't hold on to uh, Erdogan. It could be what keeps him if he, if he does have a good season. That could be enough to tempt Real Madrid into doing a permanent deal. So there's lots of things you could do with that kind of money, especially when Arsenal are in the position they're in now. So, um, yeah, I'll definitely take that money. But I will put the the, the caveat uh, that I don't think we'll get that kind of money. I've got to be honest. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, and apologies if I've missed some of your questions. Uh, we are running out of time. So I'll, um, I'll pick out a couple uh, more and I'll just quickly briefly answer those. And if you've got any questions that you really want to answer, guys, if you're a member, especially drop them in the Discord server and just tag me in it so that I definitely see it. Because uh, sometimes the conversation updates a lot and, uh, and I fall behind. Uh, so, yeah, you know, you can always message me in the Discord server. No problem. You can even DM me on there. It's no problem at all. Um, Tofa says, if Odegaard works out and we sign him, what's the next key position you would focus on for the summer? Striker, maybe. Yeah, I think striker is up there. Um, yeah, I think striker is up there. I still, you know, maybe we could get, especially if like Reese Nelson doesn't stay. Um, Willian, you know, I don't see him as a, as a, I know he's going to be there for three years because no one's going to pay out his contract, are they? But, you know, I don't see him as a, 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 a a future fixture in the side, either maybe I'd look at another top, top draw winger, uh, wide forward, whatever you want to call him these days as well. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, a top, top draw centre forward. I like Lacazette. He brings some really good stuff to the team, but I just, you know, he just doesn't score enough goals for me. Forget this little patch that he's on now. He's got eight in the Premier League so far this season, which is a pretty good return by his standards. But when you compare that return to a Bamiyang's in years gone by, it's just not even close to being on the same level. Um, let's put, uh, Lars says, uh, oh God's sake. I've just seen the, the screen name. Yeah, we'll skip that. Unbelievable. Uh, trying to get me there. I nearly got done with that one. Uh, <laughs> what else have we got? Uh, Benny Myers says Harland. I'm assuming you'd love to see Harland come in. Yeah, absolutely. 
me too. Uh, Texas Gunner says, afternoon, Harry, what are we drinking on tonight? I know it's after 5 p.m. your way. No excuses, brother. I think I'm going to get a, uh, pour myself a nice glass of red wine tonight. I need to find out what's for dinner as well, because that can influence my choice. Um, so we'll have to we'll have to have a little bit of a uh, an investigation and find out what's on the menu. And in that way, um, we can uh, we can uh, match up the drink accordingly. Uh, right. I want to say a big thank you to everybody who joined us on this live edition of the show. Uh, to those of you who will be watching this back on playback, to those of you who will be listening via the audio platforms, make sure you like, make sure you scribe, subscribe rather than scribe. Uh, make sure you leave us a review as well on the podcast platforms. If you want to become a member of the channel and support us to bring you more content and uh, better content, um, and basically become a member of the family. Come join us in the Discord server. Get priority on the fans phoning, which will take place this Sunday. So stay tuned uh, for the time via our Twitter feed at Chronicles underscore AFC. I'll drop it in the members group as well. Um, yeah, if you want to become a member, click the link in the description for more information. Fingers crossed Arsenal can take all three points from the game against Manchester United uh, this coming Saturday. Unfortunately, for those of you asking, there will be no watch along uh, because I work on the Saturday 5.30 slot. So I'll be providing live commentary of the game uh, for VSIN in the United States. You can listen to that via iHeartRadio and I'll be uh, sending you, I'll be putting out a link, sorry, via my Twitter account as well, uh, just before kickoff, which you can click into as well uh, for that one. So uh, I'll be back very soon. I'll probably bring you some reaction, even if it's a, a short pre-record uh, from the studio immediately after the game against Man United tomorrow. So I'll give you some of my thoughts in a kind of, sort of five, five, seven minute brief video, uh, which I'll record on my phone. So it ain't going to be nothing special. I've got to warn you, but um, I want to get something out straight after the game. And then, of course, we'll look at it in a little bit more detail on Sunday's shows. So looking very much forward to that. And until then, take care of yourselves and enjoy your Friday evenings. Ciao. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.